0: Good morning everyone. Uh, I'm going to use this as props here. I'm going to wander <laughs> today. Um, thanks to Beij for wonderfully opening our service today and leading us, and thanks to Ben and Laura for that wonderful bit of worship this morning. Wasn't it great? Thank you. I've got the privilege of spending time with these guys every every other week um, in their house group, and it's it's wonderful to do that. Um, yeah, good morning. We're uh, looking at our uh, series of what is it that is pleasing to God in, this, in the acts of worship that we bring together. And so we're working through this, which is the communion service, only because it's the one that's got the most bits in it. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the greeting and the gathering. Why do we actually come to think together? And the very next thing that we do is that we prepare ourselves. So we're going to be thinking about that prayer of preparation. Now, before I do that, um, I'm sure Peter would like me to do this because he he asked me for some book recommendations, so I will um, wave them at you from the front. Some of them will be relevant for today and some will be relevant for uh, a bit later on. Now, so, Live No Lies, John Mark Comer, really good, I'll make reference to that a bit later, that is about um, what it is to live in the world today. Um, We need to talk about race. Next week, Lisa is going to be talking about confession, um, and we will be marking uh, Racial Justice Sunday. It's actually a week early, um, because the actual day is in in half term. So we're going to mark it on uh, the 6th, which is next week. And if you've seen the blog, there's a reference to some material on that from Churches Together. So Ben Lindsay's book there. And then in the evenings... um, uh, from February onwards we're going to be having these prayer gatherings and we're going to be using the prayer course, so do have a look at Pete Gregg's book How to Pray, which takes the prayer course and adds some extra material in there as well. So there you go Peter, I said a word so I did. Okay, there'll be more next week because there's more of Vicar's recommendations. So I'd just like to start by uh, something that I came across this morning, which is in one of the windows of the estate agents in Pearlie, I saw this um, advert. It says, when you see the one, our in-house experts can provide an end-to-end full service to ensure things go to plan. (laughs) Is it your time to move? Can you see where I'm going with that? Are we? in-house experts who can provide an end-to-end service to ensure that people moving towards Christ goes to Christ's plan. And I think that's part of what we're trying to do in this series is to put under the microscope the things that we do on a Sunday and then saying, is that pleasing to God? Because we can all say, well, I like that and I didn't like that, or I think we should do it this way. One of the things everybody who's in leadership in churches knows about churches is it's full of people who know how it should be run. (laughs) (laughs) But what we're going to find is that I think is not the start of the statement. It's God's heart is, is the start of the statement. And that's really what we're looking at in this whole series so, it helps if I can find the sermon. There we go, right, okay. So, firstly, a thank you to the online Bible study group who met on Monday. We'd come to the end of a book. We hadn't decided what the next book would be, so I said, would you like to help me with my sermon, which they duly did. And so we looked at that James reading, which was wonderful. Um, so, every service has a, a liturgy, which means shape, um, and... So we're thinking about shaping worship which is pleasing to God. And we looked at that gathering, and then we're now looking at preparation. So let me read out to you that prayer of preparation we use in the communion service. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now many of you may recognize those words. Many of you might be able to recite them in your sleep. But do we mean them? Basically four things are going on here. Firstly, Almighty God to whom all hearts are open. God knows everything about us. We can't hide from him. He knows everything about us. And the Bible study group reminded us about the duffel pods, which you find in the Dawn Treader, C.S. Lewis, part of the Narnia stories. And they think they're invisible, but in fact, everybody can see them. And so God sees everything. We can't hide any of it. So the second thing is that we ask him to cleanse us, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We ask him to cleanse us. It's not about pull your socks up, because we can't. We're saying, Lord, you cleanse the thoughts of my hearts. And remember, when it came to the law and sin, Jesus didn't say it's about what you do. He said it's about what you think before you do it that causes a sin so we are asking him to cleanse us, now I've got another computer at home and it's the one that I used in my previous church which we own and um, it has just been getting slower and slower and slower you know, it, it just became a repository of some information and if I needed to go and get it I would turn it on we'll go away, make a cup of coffee and come back in about 20 minutes in the hope it's fired up It had so much rubbish on it that it just slowed up. So I thought, I know what I can do. I can just save all the documents and then I'll just restart it. I'll lose a whole load of apps and whatever, but hopefully it will work. And it is working perfectly because what I've done is to cleanse it of all that digital sludge which is slowing everything up. And we bring in here spiritual sludge and we're asking the Holy Spirit, to cleanse us of that so that we can be more effective. And why do we do that? Well, we do that to love and to honour him, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, that we may be pleasing to you. And how does that happen? It's made possible by Jesus through his Spirit, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the fact that God knows everything about us, that we we ask him to cleanse us, and we do that to love and to honour him, and it's only possible through Christ. We cannot do it ourselves. Is that okay? So that leads us to... Our reading today. Now we gather for many reasons. A couple of weeks ago, I was saying we gather for family love, for welcoming others, for sharing the gospel, remembering the eternal God, equipping and encouraging to submit to authority as we grow in holiness and keep one another accountable. If only it was that short two weeks ago. Anyway. So there's all sorts of reasons. Now, Matthew 28 19, you'll know, is the great uh, commission. Go make disciples, is the bit that we probably remember, but Jesus goes on to say, and teach them to obey all I commanded. James 4, uh, the headline for James 4 is Submit Yourselves to God. And we say that in the baptism vows, don't we? I submit to Christ. And we might have this idea of, you know, a wrestling match or something like that, or judo or something. But, you know, I remember watching the wrestling when I was a boy, and we'd have these two big hairy blokes would be sort of kneeling on each other's necks and twisting their arms back and waiting until they'd say, I submit. And it's not like that at all. Submission to God is not about losing control and being hurt and pain and whatever. It is about, Lord, you are bigger, better, wiser than me, and your decisions and your way is so much better than anything I would do, so I give my life to you, because it will be a better life than the one that I run myself. Is that how you understand submission? So submit to God. And he puts it in the context of, there's obviously a discussion going on in the church in Jerusalem where there are fights and there are quarrels. And he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We have desires, we have human desires, and they are not the best way of making decisions or running our lives because they're wavered by all sorts of things. And as we'll see, they're wavered by all sorts of worldly things which can easily take us away from God. Which is why what we seek is God's desire and God's heart, not, our, not to be wavered by our own desires and our own heart. Paul said in Romans 7, For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can anyone recognize that in themselves? So he goes on to say some of the reasons you don't get what you want is because you don't ask God in prayer or that you ask but with the wrong motives. I'd love a Porsche, please, Lord. And can you give me the money to pay for the insurance as well? (laughs) I'm pretty sure on the prayer course that's not what Pete Gregg's going to be saying. our desires are not a good barometer for holiness and living for and with God. I want versus God's desire. And the Bible is full of dichotomies, either or. Full and wise we had two weeks ago here. Dark and light, sin and holiness, world and God. Is what James is talking about. The CV guidance came out about COVID this week, and in response to sending it around, some people in church, somebody came back and said it must be uncomfortable sitting on the fence all the time. And the Bible is not a guidance to fence sitting, it is an either or. And so James then goes through some ideas and some dichotomies. So in verse 4, he talks about infidelity, because we're in a covenant relationship with God, which he initiates. It's like a marriage. And he makes promises to us, and he wants us to make promises back to him. It's a covenant relationship. And therefore, if we go against him, it is often shown as adultery, It's unfaithfulness. We're breaking that covenant with God. And so it's, we have this this kind of choice to make, which is, is it God or is it the world? If we side with the world, James says we are in enmity, which means active opposition. It means rebellion against God. And even worse, he goes on to say, in that place, we are God's enemy. Do you want to be God's enemy or God's ally? Sorry, I was hoping for a bit more of a response to that. <laughs> Would you like to be God's enemy or God's ally? Right answer. right answer, thank you. That's a terrifying phrase, isn't it? That we can be God's enemy. And so therefore these decisions we make about how we live our lives and what our behaviour is are really important in our relationship with God. In verse 5, it goes on to say that He is a jealous God. He jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in in us. Now in Exodus 20, verse 5, it says, the Lord your God is a jealous God. And we often misuse that word jealousy because we make it the same as envy. Envy is covetousness, wanting stuff that other people have got wanting position or reward or whatever it is that other people have got. That's, I envy you because you have that and I don't. And we use jealous, I'm jealous of that person because that's not what it means. I am jealous of Sarah, my wife, because I love her and I want to protect her and I want her to have the best in life. So when God says, really, I do. (laughs) I just caught her her in the corner of my eye. When God says, I am a jealous God, he says, I want to protect you, I want the best for you, and the best for you is me. That's what God is saying. I'm a jealous God. And he jealously wants, longs for the spirit to dwell in us, because the spirit is the one that will keep us on track. So our choice is, is it me and the world, or is it God? Because me and the world are easily diverted, and there is a prince in the world who wants to divert us because it leads to our spiritual death, and that is the devil. And he operates in lies. So that book, Live No Lies, recognize and resist three enemies that sabotage your peace. The three enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. So it's the world versus God, the flesh versus spirit, and it's lies versus truth. And the best lies are half-truths because they have that credibility of having a little bit about them, but actually they're untrue. But verse 6, sorry, and, uh, and what Jesus wanted for us, and we see this in the way he prays in John 17, is that we are in the world but, and you know it, not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. And verse 6 is this wonderful umbrella term. But he gives us more grace. In Romans 5.15, Paul said, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, that is Adam... How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So the sin versus grace competition is an unfair fight, because grace will always win if we receive it. James goes on to say one more dichotomy, and that is the proud and the humble God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And it just so happened this week, I was scrolling through iPlayer for something to watch, and I came across a couple of documentaries. The first one um, was of Brian Clough. I don't know if you know about Brian Clough. Someone going, oh yeah, I remember him really well. I'm going, Brian? Who? It was 1974, by the way, so for some this is a long time ago. Um, now, Brian Clough, uh, here's a quote from Brian Clough. He was a manager of uh, Derby, did really well, of uh, Brighton, not so long, Leeds United, and then Nottingham Forest did really well. And in fact, the road between Derby and, and Nottingham is known as Brian Clough Way, um, and there's a statue in the center of Nottingham. And I remember sit, sitting there one morning, and two ladies walked by and said, morning, Brian. And they did that every morning. <laughs> he's, he's a hero in Nottingham. Um, but here's a quote from, from Brian Clough. He was asked in an interview just around this time, just before this time, I think, And he was asked, what happens if there's a dispute at the club? He says, well, it's very simple. We just bring whoever it is in, and we sit in my office, and we'll have a talk for 20 minutes, and then we'll agree that I was right. <laughs> very outspoken man. Um, the other one was Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali uh, was a boxer. He used to say, I am the greatest. And one of his tactics before going into a fight was to rubbish his opponent. He would say how ugly they were, you know, the tears would go back up and all. He used to say all sorts of horrible things about them. Um, And his record said he was good, but he, he was certainly anything other than humble. So God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now, the reason I mention these two is the way in which they were opposite to one another because the interview of Brian Clough, which I kind of scrolled over if you know his history at all, was just after he had been the manager of Leeds United. Now, Leeds United were the biggest team at the time. He, he went to Brighton, having left Derby. He was there for a short time. He broke his contract. He really wanted to manage Leeds United. He had been outspoken about the club and their tactics, but he couldn't doubt the fact they were going to be successful. He wanted to win with them and he was there for 44 days. He managed seven weeks in the job. And this interview was, you know, about a week after he'd been sacked. And so the Brian Clough who said, oh yeah, get people in and we agree that I was right, was forced to re-examine himself and amazingly was relatively humble. I must have made mistakes along the way, he said. Go and watch them. They're they're, they're really interesting. So God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And in our humility, James gives us these instructions. Submit yourselves to God. We just described what that was. And what that means is that we can resist the devil... Can you remember what the reading said? What happens when we resist the devil? He will flee from you. It doesn't say he may. It says he will flee from you. In submission to God, he will flee from us. We have no fear of the enemy. He will flee from us. And then he says this amazing thing. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Have you got in your mind's eye that parable of the prodigal son? When he comes back, a completely broken man, he's been there almost eating pig food and couldn't even do that, and he comes back to his father, and what does the father do? The father runs down the path towards him. Come to God and he will come to you. Submit yourself, resist the devil and the world and the flesh and come to God and he will come to you. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And part of this is grieving, mourning and wailing, weeping for what is wrong, weeping for the lost. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And here comes the final, brilliant, last line of that reading. And he will lift you up and he will lift you up. So this cleansing is also about a lifting so that we are in a better position to worship. And some, one final thought just struck me while we were singing that song this morning. It's about in how we will come in humility. I will be humbled. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's in the last verse. In those last days when Jesus comes again, we will all be humbled because what will happen is at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we might as well start now. Don't wait till then. We might as well start now because he is worth it. That is what worship means. He is worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you Jealously wish that we have the spirit in us that cleanses. Open our hearts and our minds that we invite you yet again to come and to cleanse out that spiritual sludge that we are lifted up in our humility and submission, that our worship is lifted up and honoring to you. Help us not to gabble through the words that we say as we prepare, whatever these are, to come before you, but rather to dwell on them, mean them that you will come into our lives, cleanse us, and we will come before you fully prepared to be made holy in your sight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.